UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And spring practice has begun for this new edition of the Michigan Wolverines. Well, Clint, Coach Harbaugh had a press conference. He addressed a number of topics. What did you find interesting about uh, his, uh, his statements to the media? I think just in general, the way, you know, when uh, Harbaugh has kind of a, any, any off season, especially, uh, you know, at, at the end of December, the last games played the bowl game, another uh, tough loss, obviously at the end of a really great and historically great season, kind of a downer to end on. Um, you know, just one sour note at the end of a really great season. Then a lot of crazy headaches and, and, and some drama that swirl right after. And, uh, you know, the first time Harbaugh comes out to see everybody, he has, uh, he has <laughs> a, a comical ability to just uh, pretend like nothing happened. Even, uh, you know, standing in front of all of the, uh, the, the newspaper writers and uh, beat writers and, and answering the questions. Uh, so matter of factly, as if, uh, you know, we didn't all just see the, the craziness, you know, and it's, it's just, it's still um, amusing to me to just kind of a picture into how he compartmentalizes things. And, and to him right now, this is the 23 season and his eyeballs are hundred percent forward. And uh, he's, he's uh, nearly dismissive of almost anything that's uh, kind of backward looking, which is um, kind of just who he is. Uh, it's frustrating to to many people, fans and, and media members alike. But uh, that was the the overtone, you know, the overarching tone was. Um, I, I was kind of chuckling to myself because I could feel the kind of the tension uh, or frustration with folks that uh, you know probably thought that they were going to finally have their chance to grill Harbaugh, and he just uh, you know slides by like water water off a duck's back. Well, it is interesting, and you know, Clint. You have, well, and I'd say that we have been through enough Jim, Har- pro- Jim Harbaugh press conferences that we kind of know what to expect at this point, right? Mm-hmm. But it was interesting, again, as you said, how he just, you know, these questions come up and, and they're just glancing blows. He just keeps moving forward. I'm here, you know, with, as long as Michigan wants me, wants me here. Um, and that, uh, you know, you would have had a story if I wasn't here. But I'm here, and, uh, and and this is where where I wanted to be. And mm-hmm. on one hand, you could just you know see the Twittersphere explode, right? Like, oh look, he's back. He's always going to be here. See, there was nothing to worry about. And then he came back with the yeah, like like we've said. I mean, it's uh, it's an it's an it's an ongoing thing. Uh, something that we we treat as a really positive thing that NFL. Franchises, NFL teams have a lot of interest in all of our personnel, uh, coaches, players, uh, staff, uh, and if you know, somebody in our organization feels like uh, you know that's going to benefit them professionally and personally, then then we we say have at it. We don't <clears throat> we don't uh, hold anybody back. Um, I think the players, it's got to be. I mean, it's so many over the last eight years. It's got to be in the 80s or 90s. Over, over eight years, amount of players that are in the NFL. Uh, coaches, I think I've lost count how many coaches have gone to, to the NFL from here. Um, 
staff members, uh, same. Uh, so right now, Jesse Minter's, uh, you know, considering that. And we just don't hold them back. Um, I don't even tell you all the, all the ones that, I mean, calls come in. Calls come in, calls are taken. Um, those conversations are had. I, there's, there's a few coaches on our staff that uh, those calls came in, and, and, um, and they decided to stay here in Michigan. I'm one of them. There's, there's another. Um, so, um, you know, guys are going to – people do what they think is, is best for them professionally and personally. It, it's kind of like he answers the question with a yes and a no. Right. And he doesn't seem to um, grasp or I should say care about the, you know, the differences there. Right. So mm -hmm. it's interesting because, you know, on one hand, he says, well, you know, I'm I'm here as long as they want me to be. I got to have a great uh, relationship with uh, with Ward Manuel. And he's been great for our, our athletic department and our and our university. Uh, that uh, you know, nothing but good. I, I trust Ward. He trusts me. I mean, and as far as um, you know, any kind of uh, any kind of contract situation. I mean, we don't even we don't even talk about that. We talk about. I just ask, hey, do you just do you want me here at Michigan a after every season? After every season, anywhere I've ever been. I mean, that's the conversation I want to have. Do you still think I'm the best? You know, person to do this job, and then I want to know what the you know the rest of the administration thinks. I want to know what the players think. I want to know what the other coaches think, and I want to know what the fan base thinks. And uh, so when that season's over, I I, uh, I sit down and have that that conversation with Ward, and and um, and, and do the same with the players, and kind of kind of assess where the where the fan base is. And, and I just never been in a, all the eight years I've been here. I mean, that's the feedback I got in the in the in the month of January was you know as good as it's ever been from players coaches uh, from ward administration uh, president and uh, and from the fan base and so here we go let's go to 2023 and have at it you know one of the surprising things that I thought is that nobody followed up with a question about well if you're getting along so well with ward why did the university president step in, right? Which has never happened before. And, you know, one of the things that I was hoping for was that somehow this off season, Michigan could put to rest this annual dance with the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. So at, you know, at one point during the press conference, I thought, oh, well, maybe we've, maybe we finally set this aside. And then at the end, he, he ended up with. That's something you assess. You know, you assess after, I just, you know, I just said, after every season, that's, you know, what's, that's the thing that I will, I will do after every season. Uh, just to, you know, uh, my superiors, fan base, players, uh, you, know, you, get that, you get that vote of confidence from, from all three of those, and all three of those groups. And, you know, here we go again. Let's uh, let's tee it up and have a have a great season, and we're attacking it with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Last one, John. The decision then to go ahead and, and have those talks with the Broncos was that in any way a sign that you hadn't gotten the vote of confidence? No, as I said before, calls come in, calls are taken, uh, with everybody 
with everybody in the program. And, uh, some calls it takes, some you, some you don't. You know, so. Why take this one this year? What was it about that opportunity that intrigued you? Yeah, like I said, I think we'd have you'd have a real story if I if I wasn't right here doing exactly what I told you I predicted I would be doing. You know, and, and I think it's a very honest answer, and I, and I like that he put it out there, that, you know, on NFL interest, you know, he's going to assess after every season. And, and you know, I can live with that because I had really kind of come to that conclusion myself with a little bit of frustration that, you know, when Harbaugh came back to Michigan, um, you know, I know there were NFL beat writers who, and, and alleged experts who said he was never going to come back here, right? And then when he came back here, it was, well, he's only going to be here for a few years until the perfect job in the NFL opens. And here we are heading into, you know, two great seasons of Michigan football. And I think what we've learned in the last two off seasons is I think that there's definite interest for Coach Harbaugh on his part to, to return to the NFL for the right situation. And there's enough interest from the NFL that I think this is going to keep coming up. And I, I like that he kind of just put it out there. It's like, listen, the players always evaluate. I'm going to evaluate. And, um, you know, we just, we just kind of get used to it. Like I kind of feel that January is Harbaugh NFL season. Right. And, you know, I, it, it, you know, it is interesting to me that, you know, after the COVID shortened season, there were plenty of people in the Michigan camp, you know, Michigan fandom who would have been perfectly content to run them out of town. And now it's wait, wait, don't go. Right. So mm -hmm. it's amazing that uh, how the uh, I guess the uh, temperature of, of the Michigan fandom has changed. And again, it just seems like something we're going to need to keep dealing with as as we move forward. And. I, I want to kind of reiterate, you know, something that we say, it seems like at least once per podcast, right? When we're especially talking about Harbaugh and the way that he communicates and, uh, you know, decisions that he makes is that he's been um, plainly and brutally honest through, through most of his conversations. It, it's kind of a, a, obviously a personal value of his um, that uh, he, when he says something, he wants it to be the truth. Um, and, and that he kind of <laughs> massages w what he says by removing, you know, anything of interest so that everything is still just kind of technically true. And, and it, he, he doesn't, he's not phased by those awkward kind of standoffs um, when he responds to something um, where, where somebody's clearly driving for, for a particular narrative or, you know, simply doing their, their job as a journalist and kind of asking questions and hard follow-up questions. You know, Harbaugh is, you know, I can't imagine he's ever lost a staring contest. You know, I'll say that. Um, I, I will say this offseason was, was more frustrating than the previous times. I think uh, this time last year, for me, right, there was kind of a, a sense of the, the initial seven-year contract from when he first came back to Ann Arbor even though there were extensions and, and, and pay changes and, and increases and decreases, right? The, the initial term of his first contract was seven years. He kind of mentioned that that was kind of all of his plan. It was always his plan to kind of kick the tires on the NFL interest and, and possibilities. Um, 
at the end of that seven years and see and reevaluate. Um, he, he flew to Minnesota, and then there's this kind of strange interview uh, with Mitch Album. Uh, you know, now seems strange where he says, you know, this isn't going to be an annual thing. And then a year later, he's back in the mix of it. I think that there are, it's the first time really that I feel there's a direct contradiction to something that he said on the record and what his actions did following up. Now, I, um, I, I don't think it's black and white. I don't think it's kind of uh, cut and dry that way. Certainly, um, there was a lot of strange uh, th- actions and activities that were happening in the offseason. Um, whatever the tension is or uh, negotiation stance um, between Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh, certainly there's a dynamic there that, that's in play uh, for the first time in at least the, that we know of. All right, right, Jim Harbaugh is being represented by an agent and not uh, uh, representing himself in these negotiations. So I'm sure, you know, he's got somebody he's paying uh, good money to advising him on how he should be communicating publicly to kind of, uh, you know, how it affects the, the negotiating leverage that he's giving his agent. I think that played a role in, in how this past off season went. Um, and then the, the drama with the NCAA and um, the level two uh, allegations and the timing of that and really uh, and then Jim Harbaugh's insistence on, on kind of taking a stand and fighting the NCAA on the, the, the more major allegation that he you know, misled or lied to investigators, right? And I think from what we know about Jim Harbaugh as a person, um, from his you know from his public facing uh, comments and what he has said and done on the record, um, it matters very much to him that the institution that he's a part of uh, supports him and that he feels loved and supported, especially when he's preparing for what could be a really long drawn out battle. And I think uh, a lot of this stuff um, isn't going to play out in the public. Um, By the time that most of this becomes public knowledge and it will, uh, but, but we'll be long past talking about the, January 2023 offseason in the NFL hiring cycle. So I, I certainly agree with what you said. I think it probably makes sense to kind of settle in and and understand that this is going to be at least a conversation annually. Um, I, I, I do want to kind of put my hand up and say that this is the first time that there's that contradiction that I mentioned. But uh, still, I, I, I think that I can understand how the situation is different uh, and was different in January of 23 as compared to when he made those comments in, in February of 22. So all of that said, um, you know, I, I wish it wasn't that way. I, I wish, that, you know, I'm sure we can talk more about the, uh, the NCAA investigation and allegations. I wish that wasn't happening. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I, you know, I, I am still uh, satisfied and, and, and happy that Jim Harbaugh is here and, and coaching Michigan's football program and has kind of a unique uh, ability to, to compartmentalize all of that, pack it away, put it on the shelf, and uh, focus on the task at hand, which right now is spring practice. So one of the things about Jim Harbaugh that I've come to appreciate slash acknowledge 
is that he's a different kind of guy, right? And we knew that coming back from his time here when he was at Michigan and, you know, from watching him as a player in the NFL and as a coach in the NFL. But, and I think specifically about his time with the 49ers, there's a reason why he was kind of out of sync with the 49er ownership because he's a different guy, okay? And part of him being different is, um, you know, as you alluded to, there's this, uh, you know, I always... I call back, you know, being a Star Wars fan, you know, to the original Star Wars. Well, you know, a lot of your truth depends on your point of view, right? And from Jim's point of view, everything he says is completely honest and completely straightforward. And occasionally we sit back and go, wait, what did you just say five minutes ago or 10 minutes ago? Um, So it is interesting that, you know, on one hand, he talks about, well, I'm here as long as Michigan wants me. But... As you mentioned, he really, I think the thing that I learned from this press conference is as much as he tries to stay aloof and above the fray, there is a certain amount of wanting to be wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Wanting to be the guy for everybody from the administration, from the coaches. You know, he had a statement where he says, you know, I evaluate, um, you know, what the what my coaches think, what my players think, what the administration thinks. And, you know, he didn't mention the media, which which I would have laughed if somebody had suggested. But <laughs> it's like he he really wants to be popular. Okay? And he did mention the fan base in, in that in that phrase. Yeah. That statement. Yeah. So it, it's it's interesting that he acknowledged that I think he acknowledged that he does care. You know, it does matter. Mm-hmm. He wants to all be together. And, you know, specifically about the NCAA. I would just say just you got to be in shim. You know, you just got to be in this in this building. Um to, uh, you know, just to, to, really, to really feel it. Um, compare us to perfect, and we're going to come up short uh, in, the, in the major areas. Um, compare us to any other program, I, I think you're going to see that we're the, you know, we're, doesn't get, it doesn't get any better. Um, you talk about graduating players, up to perfect, but it's, I mean, it's as close as you can possibly be to, uh, to graduating players over the eight years. Talk about doing things with integrity on the field, off the field, uh, players, coaches, staff, everybody within this, uh, within this f- football program, uh, about as close as you can get to, uh, to perfection. Winning games, uh, you know, call it the same. It's not perfect. You know, 13 and 1 is not perfect. But, um, and that's what we keep striving for. We keep, uh, we keep chasing that perfection. And I appreciate that. I like that, right? It's, it's an acknowledgement that you're always going to fall short. But it was also a shot at the NCAA saying, you know, you're coming at us with Tic Tac stuff. And I always use the analogy of speeding on the expressway, right? Here in Michigan, going five over, uh, you should, you know, nobody's going to bat an eye. You go 20, 30, 40, you're going to get pulled over. And it seems as if the NCAA is really good at Tic Tac five miles over tickets while ignoring programs that are just blowing by at 30 or 40 miles over. So I, I kind of get, that's the impression I get from when coach Harbaugh talks about it. And again, there are a lot of um, rumors about what happened with the alleged NCAA violation and what Harbaugh's role in it is. And, you know, I, I think we are going to learn more 
about that. I think we do know that it is not a major, you know, thing. This is not a a uh, ESPN front page scandal, um, you know, as some other programs. But I think that, you know, and you know, more than think, we know that in the past, Coach Harbaugh has directly challenged the NCAA, and uh, I, I think that that raises the awareness a little bit. That's the same way if you ride referees, you're, you're not going to get calls. And mm. we can remember the first couple of seasons, Coach Harbaugh was real good on riding the referees, and I think he backed off a little bit, seeing that you know there was a, not exactly a, a good outcome in some cases. And I think this is just a natural outcome of the hypocrisy of the NCAA, and we're, we're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen Jim Harbaugh's decisions, especially early in his tenure at Michigan, where he found uh, you know unique ways to try to work within the rules, and, and still try to give uh, the program a competitive advantage. We saw this with uh, the satellite camps and uh, hiring uh, high school coaches that were tied to high level recruits, and those were the triggers that uh, led the NCAA to change rules specifically to crack down on on what. Harbaugh was doing so this whatever particular loophole uh, Harbaugh had found in those early years the NCAA was quick to, to crack down on uh, rule changes and enforcement and uh, you know these these other things that, as you mentioned where where we know there are just you know major violations uh, you know all over the place and and even more so um, in the wild west you know uh, of NIL and uh, kind of the the paper curtain between you know pay for play and, and money going from universities through collectives or or uh, somehow loosely affiliated organizations and eventually paying players for their name image and likeness um, no standard <laughs> rule right it's it's the the NCAA as an enforcement body is is an embarrassment so Michigan by you know playing by the rules certainly to a greater degree than, than many of the, the programs that operate on the same competitive level with Michigan in the, in the top tier in football, especially recently, I think Harbaugh said it in a way that would certainly was unique um, with this comparison to, yeah, don't come. We're chasing perfect. Um, and if you make in comparison to perfect, certainly there are flaws, but uh they certainly are doing things a lot closer to the right way than, than many of their peers. And uh, certainly he's, he's still um, bracing uh, to, to fight with the NCAA. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Again, I wish that it weren't uh, happening, but this example is another ridiculous bald-faced hypocrisy with one of the lower-level violations being that uh, an analyst – you know, not a true on-field coach, but an analyst was putting time in as a coach and actually coaching players. And um, it was days between the announcement of that violation for Michigan and the NCAA announcing that that's no longer going to be a violation, <laughs> that, they're, that they're adding an additional on-field coach and analysts are going to be allowed to coach players because uh, once they got to publicize this particular violation, um, in Michigan's past, you know, from two or three seasons ago, then yeah, but we're going to change that rule because uh, <laughs> nobody else cares about our slap on the wrist. Maybe Michigan will. So it was 
literally less than less than 72 hours separating the, the slap on the wrist for Michigan publicly and then but we're going to change the rules so that we don't have to <laughs> to really address it because it's happening everywhere else so um, just just crazy just just crazy so the that problem is is one big piece of it again I would say that that's kind of a major thing that that Harbaugh has managed to kind of contain and compact and sit on the shelf and then there's the you know the the, the coaching staff turnover um and, and you know more interest in the uh in the coaching staff but then also the the change in offensive coordinator with matt weiss and uh you know being dismissed from the the program again something that really came out of um like a lightning bolt out of left field and, and definitely nothing that i saw coming well and you know regarding the NCAA, no common sense at all, and, you know, moving forward. So, you know, the Matt Weiss thing was weird, right? And, you know, there's, you know, a couple different staff changes. There's the return of Chris Partridge, which was a good thing, right? And mm -hmm. caused, uh, you know, George Hilo to, to leave the program, and by no fault of his own, right, unfortunately um, for him. But then you have the Matt Weiss thing, which is a completely different animal, right? Where you had the university police get involved. There are lots of rumors about what had happened that, you know, we'll leave in rumor land until we get something more solid. But the reality is, is, you know, Coach Harbaugh was asked about it and he kind of just said, oh, I don't know anything about that. And if I did, I couldn't talk about it, <laughs> and which is which is pretty similar to what he said about the NCAA things. You know, he, he kind of dodged it and then responded in a way. Right. But mm -hmm. didn't get it, did get, didn't get down in the weeds. And again, um, you know, the, uh, I think the thing that upsets me that we do know about the Matt Weiss thing is, you know, here you are supposed to be prepping for the college football playoffs and there was some stupidity happening. Right. And um, what was reported is that he didn't respond to the university's investigation and the university dismissed him. So, again, um, you know, again, somebody who'd done a, a really good job when he was here, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the program will move on. Now, I do have to say that after the last several years, you know, uh, with some of the coaching changes we've had that we have just rolled on and hasn't missed, haven't missed a beat, I'm expecting the same thing to happen here. Um, again, unfortunate that, uh, you know, there was a, um, I guess, a perfect storm of, of bad for Michigan, right? You had, you know, the, the bad loss to TCU. You had the NCAA news. You had the Matt Weiss news. You had the Harbaugh, you know, NFL drama. And, you know, coach addressed that this program has become like good yeah. okay we lost that game good you know that that uh that drives us that's it makes us even uh you know more hungry uh something else comes up good we'll we'll work on that we'll fix that um it's a it's a it's a it's it's a place right now to me i mean the only analogy i could make to it um you know just how good in terms of um, you know a culture, a family that that uh, this Michigan football program is, it's almost it's uh, 
in my mind, like some of those housing markets have become recession-proof, you know, they're just, they're just good, you know. Uh, no matter what's coming from the, from the outside of here, uh, I just see our, I just see everybody here. It's like almost like a superhero that, I mean, the, the attack comes in, it's like you're able to absorb it, and, you know, just spit it back out in some kind of laser fashion. You just see the way they attack the, you know, the the next day and every day. It's uh, it's uh, it's phenomenal to be around on a on a daily day to day basis. Um, truly, everybody's uh, everybody's got to pay the price to win. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then everyone pays the price of losing. Uh, and nothing comes nothing comes cheap. You know, there there are no there are no cheap victories. Uh, you know for for the team or anyone on it. I like how he responded about the culture, Clint, but there is a certain amount of, he has to acknowledge that part of the perfect storm was his doing, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's the thing that, um, if there's anything that, that Michigan has been able to do as a program, and I, I think this is really key, okay, is that you had that COVID season where there was so much on and off the field drama, okay? We had worldwide drama with the world stopped. You had players deciding to play, some players not deciding to play. You had a very disappointing season. And from that crucible, you had the last two seasons come, right? You had the culture really just get forged in such a way that the program elevated itself. And I, you know, I look at what's happened um, with some other programs in the state when things have gone not well. And um, I, I think that Harbaugh's greatest skill as a head coach has been shown in the last couple of seasons that he has navigated the chaos and he's created a culture where the players navigate the chaos and kind of just, you know, keep going. So, you know, I'm expecting the same thing this season. And um, now I, I could do with a little less drama. Um, again, you know, there were there were some pretty snarky questions from some of the media, some of the usual characters about, um, you know, some of the uh, off the field drama and, and you know, what's this going to do? And, um, you know, uh, Harbaugh responded. So it is interesting that I think that the team has been, uh, you know, you know, there's the old saying about, you know, a ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. I, I get the impression that this team is made for chaos. Okay. And I think back to, you know, uh, the season before last, when there was that crushing loss on the road against Michigan state, where, you know, they kind of got jobbed on a couple calls in the first half, still had a, still was in a position to win and, and didn't win, right? And instead of the season going off the tracks, they bounced back and really elevated their game to, uh, you know, go to the Big Ten Championship win um, and, and, you know, go to the college football playoffs for the first time. So it, it seems like that the culture is made in such a way that, um a lot of the outside drama is just a glancing blow and, and the team just elevates itself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's a there's a particular stat in uh, tennis that that I like, and I I don't think that they track it in the other sports that I know of. It's unforced errors, <laughs> unforced errors, and that's what pops into my mind when when we have these off season problems, right? These are this is avoidable. This is these are things, you know. There, there's plenty out there that's not uh, within your control, right? There there's so many other things that happen, whether it's NCAA or changes in NIL or transfer portal or, you know, other teams, you know, improving and getting better. And you know, so many things that you can't control. All you can control is, is your players and your program. And, and these problems, like you said, are, are, are sometimes unforced errors. And, and at the same time, if there were a tennis player to make, you know, record numbers of unforced errors in a, in a match and, and still managed to win, <laughs> you know, in, uh, in five sets in, in a tiebreaker, you said, well, they still win, you know, they still win, you know, but they make it so much harder on themselves than, than it would have to be. And that, that's kind of the feeling. So I think that there is, you know, some, some quality and value in, in being able to kind of weather that storm. But I think that there's something else there. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I can't imagine that it feels as chaotic inside Schembechler Hall uh, to the players, coaches, and staff uh, as it feels to us on the outside. I, I just can't imagine that because this was happening at the same time that all of these NFL prospects that play for Michigan coming off of a nearly perfect season um, – you know, Blake Corum's a Heisman hopeful who, you know, has very little to gain by coming back to Michigan in terms of his NFL stock. Running backs, you know, traditionally, um, you know, have, have a much shorter shelf life than, than some of the other skill positions. Just the, the miles that you put on your body and taking all of those hits as a running back, and especially with, uh, coming off of a knee injury, right? It's for Corum to come back and to kind of lead the charge with the the offensive linemen who all had eligibility remaining coming back, and just amazing that at the same time all of this chaos is going on outside of the program and outside of the four walls, the players are banding together and and, and staying and playing again and saying saying you know we we feel like there's unfinished business we went you know we had the best record um, any Michigan team has had since 1997 and the first team ever to win 13 games. Uh, but there's still one more step to take, right? And, and amazing that the, the, the player leadership and, again, the, the word culture that, that swirls around a lot in the off seasons um, is, is absolutely – it's tangible with this program and this team right now, and I think – you really have to tip your cap to the leaders in the locker room, the players, you know, upperclassmen especially, and the coaches on the staff who who build really strong relationships, um, you know, position coaches and other support staff that really build strong relationships with these players and give them what I would, you know, what I would imagine is is really honest advice. And and <laughs> 
encourage them and, and, and kind of circles back to Harbaugh's comments about there's always interest from the NFL, right? The, the, one of the strengths of this program is how they prepare their players for the NFL. It's one of their strongest uh, recruiting pitches, I'm sure, right? And um, the, nobody's trying to tell these guys, you know, to, to forego NFL dreams, right? They, they have to believe that coming back to Ann Arbor for another year is, is, is still going to be beneficial to them personally and professionally and, and that they handle these conversations with, with a level of integrity and, and trust. Um, because if it was not that way, then the players would not act this way in, in unison, right? Like this, these, those types of problems where there's dishonesty and, and coaches and, and programs that are just looking out for themselves, it, it spirals quickly. And, and we don't always know the details of what's going on, but you can feel bad culture very quickly, the same way that you can feel right now a very good culture. So um, I, I think that there's some kind of... Jim spoke very uh, excitedly and eloquently about how happy he is when players decide to return. Uh, the, the players and the coaches interact that kind of shields the, the, the football business and, and the players and the coaches from all of the other craziness that's happening in the outside. And, uh, you know, guys that feel it's in their best interest uh, to return to, to Michigan, I'm, you know, I'm super, super happy and excited about that as well. I mean, uh, yeah, like selfishly really happy. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you can feel like the parent, you know, that, um, uh, how many have had have a have a son or daughter is choosing like high school or choosing their their college? You know, you you don't want to be the one to tell them which to do. You know, because that's just some decision they have to, to make on their own. And then if it doesn't work out, then they you don't get blamed uh, for for telling them what to do. So that's kind of the position I am in. But, uh, in and yeah, I kind of feel the same way as both my son. James and uh, and Grace, as they were choosing which college to go to, uh, yeah, you're you're helping them with the pros and cons, and you're you're talking about them. I mean, secretly, you know, you're you're wishing and hoping they they go to Michigan, which which those two did. <laughs> but that's really about the you know the thing I would I would compare it to. Uh, but in total support of you know whichever decision they make and feels best for themselves, and and they're really good at it. They're really good at making, uh, you know, the wise decision, the, the smart choice for themselves. Um, and, you know, the thing about that, Clint, is I think you made a great point that I'd rather have him be honest and say, yeah, okay. So on one hand, while I wish Jim had come out and said, you know what, Ward gave me the contract that I'm going to be happy with forever, right? I'm here as long as Michigan wants me. But we're always going to assess. And, you know, isn't that what every player does, right? I mean, and I think in the world of the transfer portal, right, every player is evaluating, is this the right thing for me? Is this the right decision? You know, as far as the Blake Corum stuff goes and the players returning, one thing that struck me and um, it was really impressed upon me as I was uh, out shopping over the last couple weeks is – you're seeing NIL merchandise all over the place, okay? And I think that I, I wonder 
how much the NIL is giving players a little bit of a cushion to perhaps stay longer, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where there's not the pressure to get your money or, or nothing, right? There's not, hey, it's it's staying and get nothing or get something under the table or get something on the sly or go, right? Hey, mm -hmm. you know, you can see that, you know, Michigan has made major strides in organizing, you know, these collectives, associating with NIL mechanisms to, to benefit the players. Um, you know, you can go to MDEN and you see the NIL merchandise out. I've seen, uh, you know, NIL merchandise at other vendors. And you're getting the impression that for years, the, the critics, right, would say, well, you know, if you pay players, if there's any kind of way to compensate players, the wheels are going to come off college football, right? You know what? College football seems to be going right along. Obviously, as you mentioned, there are, there are, it needs to be improved. You know, it needs to be a the same swim lane for everyone. But we're seeing the players being compensated for the work that they're putting in, and I think that it, it's it's giving them more choices, right? It, it's mm -hmm. it's not a well, Blake, you better go get money right now because. It's not, you know, that's the only, this may be the only time you can get a contract. Hey, you, you have NIL, okay? And it seems like it's working out. The players speak very well of it. Um, you know, it's giving them different options. So, you know, I, I think that um, while, while there was a lot of the sky is falling for the Michigan fan base, uh, you know, when NIL first hit, that Michigan wasn't doing everything that they'd like to see, Michigan is caught up and... I, th I think that they're coming along, and I think that it's it's another benefit uh, for players coming to the University of Michigan. And I think that there's one more thing to be said kind of in this in this realm is the strategy that Michigan employs focuses more on these uh, kind of keeping your own players, whether it's um, you know keeping them out of the transfer portal or right, giving them a, a viable option. Uh, as opposed to having to get into the NFL draft and sign a contract before, you know, that dream is snatched from you. So th where the money is right now in the uh, NIL Michigan football uh, space, um, I, I think strategically that's being shaped and pushed more toward players that are, they're actually on the field playing uh, um, and producing, you know, during the games as opposed to packaging huge uh, deals for, for incoming freshmen. Now, um, you know, there's, there's pros and cons there, of course, and there's only so, so many dollars to go around as it stands right now. Everybody's trying to figure out what the right formula is, but I think Michigan, at least it seems, is kind of taking a different approach and for the shortcomings in uh, – recruiting and, and and ranking of you know incoming freshman recruiting classes um kind of being laid at the feet of of not being willing to to drop you know six or seven figures on a, on a high school senior um making these packages more accessible and figuring out how to uh to make a, a fourth or fifth year more attractive to players that uh, are, are proven starters and um have have kind of proved themselves also in the locker room amongst their peers uh, is a slightly different strategy than I think what uh, what is commonplace amongst everybody else. So we'll see how it plays out in the long term. I think that 
the right formula probably is a little bit of a balance of both. Uh, and it's, but we'll see how that goes. And I, but I think you do have to kind of um, highlight the, the positives of this strategy and certainly holding on to that much talent from a team that was, you know, in the college football playoff and certainly, um, you know, is poised to be right back at the top of the rankings in the preseason coming up for the next year with the returning talent and experience and productions coming back. You just, you just don't usually see that a team that qualifies for the college football playoff and then brings back such a, a large percentage of their offensive and defensive production. So um, that there's a direct correlation there, certainly. So we don't know for sure, right? Because Coach Harbaugh won't sit down or won't address it in a way that I think we would like. But when you sit back and look at the strategy, okay, there are the programs that put the money up front for the top tier talent, right? The, the top five star guys. And my impression of teams that are successful year in and year out are the programs that have the teams that stay together the longest. Okay. Obviously talent, but kind of gel as a team. So, you know, the point you made about Michigan kind of backloading the NIL toward performance and benefiting guys in their third, fourth, potentially fifth year. Um, I, I wonder if it is a conscious choice, okay, like a strategy to do that rather than to um, put the bulk of the money in guys who may only be on, you know, be there for two or three years, right? So, again, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see way it play, the way it plays out. Um, you know, uh, you know I, I've said this before. I will say it again that the – 2022 Michigan football team was one of the best teams we have ever seen. It's unfortunate that they were tripped up in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, you know, and, and Coach Harbaugh talked about, you know, JJ. And, you know, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, uh, he thought that, you know, JJ really grew from that game. He experienced a whole season in one game, right? But again, we all want to see Michigan take that next step. But, um, you know, one of the ways you do that is get most of your players to come back and then add more. And it seems like that's what the current NIL strategy is doing. So, you, you know, you have to appreciate that. Um, you know, and I will tell you, looking back, Clint, I think you can agree or, or, or acknowledge that there were a lot of concerns about how great the Michigan defense was going to be with mm -hmm. the difference in defensive coordinator and players leaving. And, and gosh darn it, they were better right in a lot of ways mm -hmm. so um whatever they're doing you know whatever's in the water down there is, is working and hopefully we will continue to to see it you know during this spring practice and hopefully they will set themselves up for for even greater success in this upcoming season yeah i think i, I think it's all certainly very interesting right i think that it's there's a really uh, a fascinating kind of, of yin and a yang, you know, going on with the program right now. And uh, it's something at least gives us something to talk about here through the off season. And, and certainly looking forward to seeing um, what comes up in the spring game and a couple of new players that, that may get some opportunities. And uh, I think the one player that I heard about in, uh, in Harbaugh's press 
availability that, that was the most interesting and certainly one of the highest uh, kind of profile uh, positions of need this coming season is that second cornerback spot, uh, potentially right now having uh, Omarion Walker in, in the lead um, to take that second cornerback spot uh, opposite from Will Johnson, right? And he's another um, kind of shift, you know, from uh, came in, recruited as a wide receiver, played a little bit of wide receiver and corner last season. And uh, Harbaugh mentioned that directly, Clay, that uh, he he may be somewhat of a, a unicorn of an athlete and, and have the ability to be that two-way player. Um, but that right now he's focusing on defense and, and may very well be penciled into the uh, the starting spot there opposite Will Johnson. That That was really, from a football standpoint, probably the biggest <laughs> – uh, piece of news that that came out of the press conference. Absolutely, he he raved about him, and anytime you hear Coach Harbaugh talk about a potential two-way player, you know that that is a a special individual. As you said, unicorn. You know that's that's you know you got to love that phrase. Um, you know there was also talk about the O line that they're so stacked that where are you going to put these guys, right? And you know when you think about the building blocks for success, you know, it, it certainly seems like that Michigan is poised for yet another great run. And, and Clint, I will tell you that, um, you know, when and if Michigan has success in the college football playoffs and, you know, if they are able to pull together a national championship in this upcoming season, I certainly hope that uh, there will be a large bank truck backing up to Schembechler Hall to keep Coach Harbaugh locked in uh, for as long as he wants to stay here. So I, I think that's uh, that's definitely potentially in the cards. And, um, you know, I, you know, and again, just I, I'm hoping that that will be the case, that we'll be able to keep this uh, this machine rolling. So, so, Clint, any final thoughts for the podcast? No, I think that the only other thing that I was going to mention uh, real quickly is that maybe some of the, the money that comes off of that bank truck should get diverted toward uh, Sharon Moore, you know, two two times back-to-back. Uh, Joe Moore award-winning offensive lines. Uh, just thinking back two seasons ago when Ed Warner moved on and you and I really calling out that as the, the biggest wild card for the upcoming season is is – is Sharon more ready to coach the offensive line? Can he just kind of hold water and fill those shoes? And uh, man, did we set the expectations far too low for for him? And and now in the twenty two season, he adds uh, kind of an offense co offensive coordinator role. And now with Matt Weiss moving on, he's kind of the senior offensive coordinator role here. So another. Uh, kind of a functional promotion or at least more responsibility for for Sharon Moore. So if we're backing up, uh, you know, armored trucks to Schembechler Hall for coaches, um, don't forget Sharon Moore. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.